0: CHAPTER TWO OF THE WORLD BEYOND by Ray Cummings. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. THE FLIGHT INTO SIZE AND SPACE Lee came back to consciousness with the feeling that some great length of time must have elapsed. He was on a couch in a small, weird-looking metal room, metal, of a dull, gray-white substance, like nothing he had ever seen before. With his head still swimming, he got up dizzily on one elbow, trying to remember what had happened to him. That fingernail or claw had scratched his face. He had been drugged. It seemed obvious. He could remember his roaring senses as he had tried to fight, with the drug gradually overcoming him. The room had a small door and a single round window like a bull's-eye's pane of thick lens. Outside, there was darkness with points of stars. His head was still humming from the remaining effect of the drug. Or was the humming an outside noise? He was aware as he got to his feet and staggered to the door that the humming was distantly outside the room. The door was locked. Its lever resisted his efforts to turn it. Then he saw the inert figures of the girl and Tom Franklin. They were lying uninjured on two other small couches against the room's metal wall. The girl stirred a little as he touched her dank forehead. Her dyed blonde hair had fallen disheveled to her shoulders. Franklin lay sprawled, his stiff white shirt bosom dirty and rumpled, his thin, sandy hair dangling over his flushed face. His slack mouth was open. He was breathing heavily. At the lens window, Lee stood gasping, his mind still confused and blurred, trying to encompass what was out there. This was a spaceship, a small globular thing of white metal. He could see a rim of it, like a flat ring some ten feet beneath him. A spaceship, and obviously, it had left the Earth. There was a black firmament, dead-black monstrous abyss with white blazing points of stars. And then, down below and to one side, there was just an edge of the great globe visible. The earth with the sunlight edging its sweeping crescent limb. The earth down there with a familiar coastline and a huge spread of ocean like a giant map in monochrome. Back on the couch, Lee sat numbed. There was the sound of scraping metal. A door-slide in the wall opened. A face was there. A man with a blur of opalescent light behind him. "'You are all right now?' a voice said. "'Yes, I guess so. Let me out of here.' "'Let him out of here. To do what?' "'To make them head this thing back to Earth?' "'To Lee Anthony,' as he sat confused. The very thoughts were a fantasy. "'Off the Earth?' "'Out in space?' So often he had read of it as a future scientific possibility, but with its actuality now, his mind seemed hardly to grasp it. The man's voice said gently, We cannot trust you. There must be no fighting. I won't fight. What good could it do me? You did fight. That was bad. That was frightening. We must not harm you. Where are we going? Lee murmured. Why in the devil are you... "'We think now it is best to say nothing. "'We will give you food through here, "'and over there behind you, "'a little door-slide to another room. "'You and these other two can be comfortable.' "'For how long?' demanded Lee. "'It should not seem many days. "'Soon we shall go fast. "'Please watch it at the window.' "'He would want that. "'You have been taught some science?' "'Yes, I guess so.' To Lee it was a weird, unnatural exchange between captor and captive. The voice, intoning the English words, so slowly, so carefully, seemed gentle, concerned with his welfare, and afraid of him. Abruptly, the door side closed again, and then at once it reopened. "'He would want you to understand what you see,' the man said. "'You will find it very wonderful. We did, coming down here.' This was his room so long ago when he used it. His dials are there. You can watch them and try to understand. Dials to mark our distance and our size. The size change will start soon. Size change? Lee's numbed mind turned over the words and found them almost meaningless. From the window there, what you can see will be very wonderful, the man said again. He would want you to study it. "'Please do that.' The door slide closed. "'What can you see from the window will be very wonderful. No one, during the days that followed, could adequately describe what Lee Anthony and Thomas Franklin and Vivian saw through that lens window. A vast panorama in monochrome, a soundless drama of the stars so immense, so awesome that the human mind could grasp only an infinitesimal fragment of its wonders. They found the little door which led into another apartment. There were tables and chairs of earth-style, quaintly old-fashioned. Food and drink were shoved through the door-slide. The necessities of life and a fair comfort of living were provided. But their questions, even as the time passed and lengthened into what on earth might have been a week or more, remained unanswered. There was only that gentle but firm negation. We have decided that he would want us to say nothing. We do not know about this girl and this smaller man. We brought them so that they could not remain on Earth to talk of having seen us. We are sorry about that. He probably won't like it. He? Who the devil are you talking about? Franklin demanded. See here, if I had you fellows back on Earth now, I'd slam you into jail, damn brigands. You can't do this to me, my my father's one of the most important men in New York. But now the door slide quietly closed. A week it could have been that or more. In a wall recess of the room, Lee found a line of tiny dials with moving pointers: miles, thousands of miles, a million, ten million, a hundred million, a light year, tens, thousands, and. FOR THE SIZE CHANGE, A NORMAL DIAMETER, UNIT ONE, AND THEN UP INTO THOUSANDS. FOR HOURS AT A TIME, SILENT, AWED BEYOND WHAT HE HAD EVER CONCEIVED THE EMOTION OF ALL COULD MEAN, HE SAT AT THE LENS' WINDOW, STARING OUT AND TRYING TO UNDERSTAND. THE GLOBE SHIP WAS SOME FIVE HUNDRED THOUSAND MILES OUT FROM EARTH WHEN THE SIZE CHANGE OF THE WEIRD LITTLE VEHICLE BEGAN. It came to Lee with a sudden shock to his senses, his head reeling, and a tingling within him as though every fiber of his being were suddenly stimulated into a new activity. "'Oh, my God!' Vivian gasped. "'What are they doing to us now?' The three of them had been warned by a voice through the door slide, so that they sat together on one of the couches, waiting for what would happen. This... "'I wish they wouldn't do it,' Franklin muttered. "'Damn them. I want to get out of here.' Fear seemed to be Franklin's chief emotion now. Fear and a petty sense of personal outrage that all this could be done to him against his will. Often, when Lee and the girl were at the window, Franklin had sat brooding, staring at his feet. "'Easy,' Lee said. "'It evidently won't hurt us. "'We're started in size change.' the globe, and everything in it is getting larger. Weird, the gray metal walls of the room were glowing now, with some strange current which suffused them. The starlight from the window lenses mingled with an opalescent sheen from the glowing walls. It was like an aura bathing the room, an aura which seemed to penetrate every smallest cell particle of Lee's body, stimulating it. Size change, vaguely, Lee could phantom how it was accomplished. His mind went back to many scientific articles he had read on the theory of it. Only theory, those imaginative scientific pendants, had considered it. And now it was a reality upon him. He recalled the learned phrases the writers had used. The state of matter in all the universe, the inherent factors which govern the state of matter yield most readily to change. An electronic charge, a current perhaps akin to, but certainly not identical with electricity, would change the state of all organic and inorganic substances, a rapid duplication of the fundamental entities within the electrons and electrons themselves, so unsubstantial, mere whirlpools of nothingness. A rapid duplication of the fundamental whirlpools that would size, The complete substance, the shape unaltered, would grow larger. All just theory, but here, now, it was brought to an accomplished fact. Within himself Lee could feel it, but as yet he could not see it. The glowing room and everything in it was so weirdly luminous there was no alteration in shape. These objects The figure of Vivian beside him and the pallid-frightened Franklin, relative to each other, they were no different from before. And the vast panorama of starry universe beyond the lens window, the immense distances out there, made any size change as yet unperceivable. But the size change had begun. There was no question of it. With his senses steadying, Lee crossed the room. A weird feeling of lightness was upon him. He swayed as he stood before the little line of dials in the wall recess, five hundred thousand miles from Earth, more than twice the distance of the moon. The globe had gone that far with accelerating velocity, so that now the pointers marked a hundred thousand miles an hour, out beyond the moon, heading for the orbit line of Mars. Now the size change pointers were stirring. Unit 1, the size this globe had been as it rested on Earth, 50 feet in height and some 30 feet at its midsection bulge. Already, that unit was, 2 a globe which, if it were on Earth, would be a hundred feet high, and Lee himself, he would be a giant more than 12 feet tall now. He stood staring at the dials for a moment or two. That little pointer of the first of the size change dials was creeping around. An acceleration, another moment, and it had touched Unit 4. A 200-foot globe, and Lee, if he had been on Earth, would already be a towering human nearly 25 feet in height. Behind him, he heard Franklin suddenly muttering, If only I could change without everything else changing. Damn them all. What I could do. You're nuts, Vivian said. I don't see anything growing bigger. Everything here is just the same." Her laugh was abruptly hysterical. "'This room, you two, you look like ghosts. Say maybe we're all dead, and don't know it.' Queerly, her words sent a shiver through Lee. He turned, stared blankly at her. This weird thing. The electronic light streaming from these walls had a stroboscopic quality. The girl's face was greenish, putty-colored, and her teeth shone phosphorescent. Maybe we're all dead and don't know it. Lee knew that this thing was a matter of cold, precise, logical science. Yet, who shall say but what mysticism is not mingled with science? A thing which, if we understood it thoroughly, would be as logical, as precise, as the mathematics of science itself. Death? Who shall say what of actuality death may be? A leaving of the mortal shell, a departure from earthly substance, a new state of being. Surely some of those elements were here now, and logically, why could there not be a state of being, not all death, but only with some of its elements? I don't like this, Franklin suddenly squealed. On the couch he sat, hunched, trembling. "'Something's wrong here, Lee. Damn you, Lee. Don't you feel it?' Lee tried to smile calmly. "'Feel what?' "'We're not... not alone here,' Franklin stammered. "'Not just you and Vivian and me. "'Something else is here, something you can't see, "'but you can almost feel. And I don't like it.' "'A presence. Was there indeed something else here, "'of which now, in this new state of being,' They were vaguely aware, something like a fellow voyager making this weird journey with them. Lee's heart was so wildly beating that it seemed smothering him. Unit 10, a 100. With steady acceleration, the lowest size change pointer was whirling, and the one above it was moving. The globe was 5,000 feet high now, and on Earth Lee would have been a monstrous titan over six hundred feet tall. A globe in humans in that tremendous size, the very weight of them, in a moment more of this growth, would disarrange the rotation of the Earth on its axis. And then abruptly, Lee found himself envisaging the monstrous globe out here in space, a thing to disarrange the mechanics of all the celestial universe. In an hour or two, with this acceleration of growth, the globe would become a huge meteorite, then an asteroid. He stared at the distance dials. With the growth had come an immense augmentation of velocity. A hundred thousand miles an hour that had been accelerated a hundredfold now. Ten million miles an hour. Through the window lens, Lee gazed mute with awe. The size change was beginning to show. Far down at the one side, The crescent Earth was dwindling. Mars was far away in another portion of its orbit. The moon was behind the Earth. There were just the myriad, blazing, giant worlds of the stars, infinitely remote, and with vast distances of inky void between them. And now there was a visible movement to the stars, a sort of shifting movement. An hour, a day, a week, Who shall try and describe what Lee Anthony beheld during that weird outward journey? For a brief time, after they swept past the orbit of Mars, the great planets of Jupiter and Saturn were almost in a line ahead of the plunging, expanding globe. A monstrous thing now, with electronically charged gravity plates, so that it plunged onward by its own repellent force. The repellent force of the great star field beneath it lee stared at jupiter a lead-colored world with its red spot like a monster's single glaring eye with the speed of light jupiter was advancing swinging off to one side with a visible flow of movement and dropping down into the lower void as the globe went past it yet as it approached visually it had not grown larger instead There was only a steady dwindling. A dwindling of great Saturn, with its gorgeous luminous rings, came next. The approaching planets seeming to shrink, because, with Lee's expanding viewpoint, everything in the vast scene was shrinking. Great distances here, in relation to the giant globe, were dwindling. These millions of miles between Saturn and Jupiter had shrunk in the thousands, and then were shrinking to hundreds abruptly with a startled shock to his senses lee's point of view changed always before he had instinctively conceived himself to be his normal six-foot earthly size the starry universe was vast beyond his conception and in a second now that abruptly was altered he conceived the vehicle as of actuality it was a globe as large as the ball of Saturn itself. And simultaneously he envisaged the present reality of Saturn. Out in the inky blackness it hung, not a giant ringed world millions of miles away, but only a little ringed ball, no bigger than the spaceship. A ringed ball, only eight or ten times as big as Lee himself. It hung there for an instant beside them, only a mile or so away, perhaps, And as it went past, with both distance and size change combining now, it shrank with amazing rapidity. A ball only as big as this room. Then no larger than Lee it hung, still seeming no further away than before. And then, in a few minutes more, a mile out there in the shrinking distance, it was a tiny, luminous point vanishing beyond his vision. Uranus, little Neptune, Pluto, almost too far away in its orbit to be seen. All of them presently were dwindled and gone. Lee had a glimpse of the solar system, a mere bunch of lights. The sun was a tiny spot of light, holding its little family of tiny planets, a mother hen with her brood. It was gone in a moment, lost like a speck of stardust among the giant starry worlds. Another day... That is a day as it would have been on Earth. But here was merely a progressing of human existence, a streaming forward of human consciousness. The light-year dial pointers were all in movement. By Earth standards of size and velocity, long since had the globe's velocity reached and passed the speed of light. Lee had been taught, his book-learning colored by the Einstein postulates, that there could be no speed greater than the speed of light. By Earth standards, perhaps, yes. The globe, by comparison, with its original fifty-foot Earth size, might still be traveling no more than a few hundred thousand miles an hour. But this monster, a thing now as big as the whole solar system, doubtless, was speeding through a light year in a moment. Futile figures, the human mind can grasp nothing, of the vastness of interstellar space. To Lee it was only a shrinking, inky void, an emptiness crowded with whirling little worlds, all dwindling. This crowded space, often little points of stardust, had come whirling at the globe, colliding, bursting into pinpoints of fire. Each of them might have been bigger than the earth. There was a time when it seemed that beneath the globe All the tiny stars were shrinking into one lens-shaped cluster. The interstellar universe, all congealed down there into a blob, and everywhere else there was just nothingness. But then, little distant glowing nebulae were visible, luminous floating rings, alone in the emptiness. Distant? One of them drifted past, seeming only a few hundred feet away, a luminous little ring of stardust. The passage of the monstrous globe seemed to hurl it so that like a blown smoke ring it went into chaos, lost its shape, and vanished. Then at last, all the blobs, each of them, to Earth-size conception, a monstrous universe, all were dwindled into one blob down to one side of Lee's window, and then they were gone. Just darkness now, "'darkness and soundless emptiness. "'But as he stared at intervals "'through another long night of his human consciousness, "'Lee seemed to feel that the emptiness out there was dwindling, "'a finite emptiness. "'He noticed presently that the size-change pointers "'had stopped their movement. "'The ultimate size of the globe had been reached. "'The figures of the light-year dials "'were meaningless to his comprehension.' The velocity was meaningless, and now another little set of dials were in operation. A thousand-something of distance. There was a meaningless word which named the unit. A thousand earth-miles, if he had been in his former size. The pointer marked nine hundred in a moment. Was it, perhaps, the distance now from their destination? Vivian was beside him. Lee, what's going to happen to us? Won't this come to an end sometime? Lee, you won't let anybody hurt me? She was like a child, almost always clinging to him now, and suddenly she said a very strange thing. Lee, I've been thinking. Back there on Earth, I was doing a lot of things that maybe were pretty rotten. Angling for his money, for instance, and not caring much what I had to do to get it. She gestured at the sullen Franklin, who was sitting on the couch. "'You know, things like that. And I've been thinking, you suppose, when we get where we're going now, that'll be held against me?' What a queer thing to say. She was like a child. And so often a child has an insight into that which is hidden from the more mature. "'I don't know,' Lee muttered. From the couch, Franklin looked up moodily whispering about me again? I know you are, damn you both, you and everybody else here.' "'We're not interested in you,' Vivian said. "'Oh, you're not? Well, you were back on Earth. I'm not good enough for you now, eh? He's better, because he's big, big and strong, that's the idea. Well, if I ever had the chance—' "'Don't be silly,' Lee said. The sullen Franklin was working himself into a rage.' Lee seemed to understand Franklin better now. A weakling, inherently with a complex of inferiority, the vague consciousness of it lashing him into baffled anger. You, Anthony, Franklin burst out. Don't think you're fooling me. You can put it over that fool girl, but not me. I'm on to you. Put what over, Lee said mildly. That you don't know anything about this affair, or these men who've got us. "'You don't know who they are, do you?' "'No, do you?' Lee asked. Franklin jumped to his feet. "'Don't fence with me, by God. "'If I was bigger, I'd smash your head in. "'They abducted us because they wanted you. "'That fellow said as much near the start of this damned trip. "'They won't talk. "'Afraid I'll find out. "'And you can't guess what it's all about. "'The hell you can't.' Lee said nothing. But there was a little truth in what Franklin was saying, of course. Those things that the dying old Anna Green had told him, surely this weird voyage had some connection. He turned away, went back to the window. There was a sheen now, a vague outline of something vast, as though the darkness were ending at a great wall that glowed a little. It seemed, during the next time interval, as though the globe might have turned over, so now it was dropping down upon something tangible, dropping, floating down, with steadily decreasing velocity, descending to a surface. The sheen of glow had expanded until now it filled all the lower hemisphere of darkness, a great spread of surface visually coming up. Then there were things to see, illuminated by a faint half-light to which color was coming, a faint pastel color that seemed a rose-glow. "'Why, why,' Vivian murmured. "'Say, it's beautiful, ain't it? It looks like Fairyland. Or Heaven. It does, don't it, Lee?' "'Yes,' Lee murmured. Like, like.' The wall-slide rasped. The voice of one of their captors said, "'We will arrive soon. We can trust you. There must be no fighting.' "'You can trust us,' Lee said. It was dark in the little curving corridor of the globe, where, with silent robed figures around them, they stood while the globe gently landed. Then they were pushed forward, out through the exit port. The new realm, the world beyond. What was it? To Lee Anthony there came the feeling that there was a precise scientific explanation of it. Of course, and yet, beyond all the pedantry of science, he seemed to know that it was something else, perhaps a place that a man might mold by his dream. A place that would be what a man made of it, from that which was within himself. Solemn with awe, he went with his companion slowly down the incline. End of Chapter 2